Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Two, set, I have a super fun, really awesome BTS-related story that I have been waiting to share with Kayla, and so now I finally get to share it with all of you guys. <laughs> this past week at work, I was in the office, and two of my coworkers were out treating patients, and so I was just documenting. I was trying to get my, you know, get through all my paperwork, and I hear my coworker say to my other coworker and one of the patients in the room, I found this amazing song last night. And she's like, look, it's called Chicken Noodle Soup. And I thought, holy crap. Oh my God. (laughs) And so I kind of like, I thought, well, maybe they're talking about the Bianca Bonnie song, Chicken Noodle Soup. But then I can hear it playing in the background. And so I got up, I went out And she's showing the video of chicken noodle soup to the patient and to my other coworker. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, how did you find this song? Do you know who that is? And she's like, no, I have no idea who they are. Do you know who they are? And I'm like, that's J-Hope of BTS. And she's like, of who? And she had no idea who they were or anything. And so she's like, I just think he's such a great dancer. And then she like, as she's watching, she's like, this girl isn't as good as him. But she was just like praising J-Hope. And so she's like, what did you say that group's name was? And then she looked up on YouTube, just like a mix of BTS songs. And she played it for like the patient and the other coworker in the room. And the patient pointed at it and DNA came on. The patient pointed at the video and she can barely talk, but she managed to, to say, this is my granddaughter's favorite group. <gasps> and so she knew who they oh were. Oh my God. And as DNA was, was like playing, <laughs> my coworker was watching it and just saying, oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. Look at their <laughs> dancing. Look at, look at this. This is great. And she's like jamming along to it. And then the other coworker, who's a guy, he wasn't like all too into it, but then like as DNA kept going, he's like, what's this name of this group? Is this K-pop? I'm like, yeah, it's K-pop. And he's like, BTS. I feel like I've heard of that before. And then he turns to my boss who's in her office and he yells at her. 
hey, do you know who BTS is? And she's like, yeah, I know who BTS is. My friend is obsessed with them, her friend. And then she goes, and mind you, she made me watch them. And this is a 50-year-old lady who's obsessed with this K-pop group. And I'm like, holy crap. I had no idea that everyone had like some connection for BTS. But anyways, long story short, yesterday I got a text from my male coworker mm-hmm. with a screenshot of Boy With Love. And he said, oh, my, my, my in the text message. Uh-huh. And he said, should I be worried that I really am into this music? <laughs> and oh, my <laughs> like, God. But he said, like, should I be afraid? No. Um, but my other coworker who found Chicken Noodle Soup, now she's really into BTS. And so is this guy. And my boss's like good friend who's in her 50s loves BTS. My patient's granddaughter loves BTS. I thought, wow, wow. what a wonderful day. <laughs> oh my God. Like, okay. I just, I cannot believe this. Like this, like I when know. you told me that you had like an amazing story that you were going to save <laughs> for the podcast, I was thinking, literally I thought somebody that she works with probably like likes bts but i was thinking just like one person like one other girl like you know i like no no idea that this like this is that's so cool yeah it's like i caught my one co-worker in the midst of discovering bts and falling down the rabbit hole and then my other co-worker has like been converted yes (laughs) so it's just really neat i was dying to share that with you and with everyone Thank yeah. you. That is so awesome. What like, I mean, you just started at that facility. It's like you're so meant to be there. Like you already mm-hmm. had such a cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, welcome back, guys. Yeah. Welcome back. I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany. And this is Standing BTS. Yes. Yes, welcome to another wonderful episode where we get to hang out for about an hour and just talk about BTS. What a wonderful hour it is too. But disclaimer, this is an informative fangirl podcast. That means that we're going to fangirl, laugh, and learn a little bit along the way. Yep, that's right. This is an explicit podcast though, so if you aren't cool with that, you can dip out now. We won't blame you. Totally. But if you're down for some... I think Sokjin's forehead is just permanently on display now. Uh, Yes, and we are very (laughs) blessed and very gifted for it. Yes. Or I'm so grateful that Bontan TV uploaded a dance practice video of the Dionysus intro performances from Melon. Oh my gosh, yes. When I saw that they posted those, I was just so excited, like getting to see the dance practice version of, I mean... Full mm-hmm. body Young dance now, you know? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved that they had all the black backup dancers, too, there. Mm-hmm. It was pretty neat. You get, just got to appreciate it even more without, like, the chaoticness of the, the whole production of it. Yeah, totally. So if you're down for those things, then you're in the right place. 
Today, we are talking about the success behind BTS and why BTS is so popular worldwide, regardless of linguistic and geographic barriers. But before we get into it, we want to thank you, wonderful armies, for being here and for supporting us. If you're a fan of this podcast and you want to show your support for us, you can do that by telling people about us on social media and by writing a review wherever you listen. Then, if you want to go above and beyond and give us some extra support, you can do that by donating monthly to our patreon at patreon.com slash standing bts or if you'd like you can make a one-time donation at paypal.me slash standing bts podcast your support helps us to improve the quality of our content and to continue putting out weekly episodes any type of support is super appreciated guys thank you for being here yes totally we are so happy that you're spending this time with us. And so this episode, how it's going to be laid out, we're mostly going to be just listing off various components behind the rise and success of BTS. There's so many things that have contributed to the rise of BTS, and it's also up for debate which one is technically the one that may have put them forth in in the media more than others, but they're all pretty justifiable why people generally like BTS and how they become so popular. Yeah. So we have quite a few topics to share with you guys today. Um, and this is a very heavily researched episode. Um, not only were multiple videos watched, but multiple articles read and even um, educational research papers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of sources for this episode. So all of the sources are going to be listed in the description of the episode. And as for the sourced research papers, you'll see them listed. But if you're interested in actually reading them, the PDFs will be available for free on our Patreon. All right, so let's get into it. There's so many things to discuss. There's so many reasons why BTS have become so successful, so popular. Yes. Uh, we have to kind of start with the basics. So the first is the Korean wave. This is a term that's been put out there. Um, it's also called Hayu. And so the Korean wave defined is the increase in global popularity of South Korean culture since the 1990s. Hayu is the literal translation of the term Korean wave or wave from Korea. Uh, it's first driven by the spread of K-dramas and K-pop across East, South, and Southeast Asia during its initial stages. The Korean wave has since then evolved from a regional development into a global phenomenon carried by the internet and social media and the proliferation of K-pop music videos on YouTube. So Hayu's impact is so great that people overseas are not only consuming and purchasing Korean media, media, but the cultural impact is so great that it's increased tourism and revenue in South Korea and in some cases has led foreigners to even learn the Korean language to better understand the content. Yeah, I feel like this is so common here in the States and, you know, there's a lot of people that watch like that watch K-dramas and you pay for apps to be able to watch K-dramas or even like um, the app that I used to watch K-dramas on was Rakuten and recently I've been seeing commercials for a Rakuten shopping website that you can like buy stuff on and so that's like a Korean website and um, you know that people are consuming and purchasing from so its impact is deep. 
Yeah, it's yeah. definitely prominent here in in the states. Yeah, and so it's definitely spread all over the world. This this soft power that South Korea is able to bring in revenue versus through all these forms of media. Mm -hmm. The next kind of main thing that allows uh, that a uh, you know contributed to the rise of BTS was uh, Korean government investment in K-pop. So investments began in the late 90s when Asia went through a huge financial crisis. They poured tons of money into forming a ministry of culture with K-pop having its own specific department. Goals of this investment were to build Korea's cultural influence. Large grants were granted to companies who introduced Korean pop culture to audiences in other countries. This is why marketing for K-pop is tailored to appeal to the widest variety of audience as possible. Often, music is a hybrid of a variety of genres, including pop, hip-hop, electronic, rock, and rap, appealing to a wide range of listeners. On top of that, apparel and fashion are included in this hybrid of styles and looks and aesthetics. And that definitely really uh, correlates to what BTS has done. A lot of their music is a combination of starting off with like hip-hop influence and pop. As they've like grown, they've even gotten into electronic Obviously, there's rap components. So, yeah, definitely. I see that. Uh, just to get more in depth on what soft power is, a definition of soft power is it uses attraction and persuasion to change minds and influence behavior. Sources of this power usually consist of culture, political values, and positive global engagement. So, K pop's cultural influence has increased tourism, and peaked interest in Korean culture. It's estimated that BTS is worth $3.6 billion to the Korean economy every year and more than $1 billion in consumer exports every year. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of money that BTS is bringing to the Korean economy. And this is all done by soft power. And we mm -hmm. kind of, we looked into soft power versus hard power. And hard power is definitely something more that the states uses for its economy, uh, like military, investing, all that kind of stuff. This is, mm -hmm. it's really neat that the soft power uses its culture as, at least in South Korea's case, as a way of, you know, profit like building their economy yeah. and such selling selling their culture mm -hmm. which is interesting to me i kind of relate it to the the idea of like a youtuber like be you know youtubing just for the sake of like they are a you know a person that people watch and they mm -hmm. just want to know about them and consume their content and like yeah. buy their stuff it's like the whole of korea is doing that yeah. with selling k-pop mm -hmm. and it's working really well yeah. Um, yeah. Just to give you more of an idea of BTS's uh, part in bringing revenue to Korea, over the next decade, BTS could potentially generate nearly $37 billion for the South Korean economy. That's staggering. $37 billion. Yeah. That's, That's fucking insane. That's an immense amount of money. Yeah. yeah. Um, also... BTS is behind the reason that one in every 13 foreign tourists visit the country of South Korea. And that's 2017 data, so it could be even more now. But I know that we both have wanted to visit South Korea because of, because of them. BTS. Yeah, we want to like go to places that they've been. We want to like go to like hometowns. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, this 
when I read this stat, I was blown away. I feel mm-hmm. like that is such a high number. And again, yes, that was 2017 data. I'm sure that it is, you know, a smaller ratio now in 2019. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. So another component that we've uh, gathered as a key to their success is BTS's lyrics and their discussion into political matters and critical topics. So while K-pop and politics are closely tied, as we said, with the Korean government, few Korean pop groups discuss political and social matters. But enter BTS. (laughs) One of the first and few groups to openly discuss underlying socioeconomic and political issues and even criticize South Korean society within the lyrics of their music. A large portion of BTS's success has been attributed to their openness with heavy social topics discussed within their lyrics. Their lyrics are inspiring to others as they frequently reference the struggles they go through and draw on their own experiences, making their music easy to connect and find meaning with. Bang Shi-yuk said, quote, They don't shy away from speaking about the pain felt by today's generation. They respect diversity and justice, the rights of youths and marginalized people. I think all of these factors worked in their favor. Mm-hmm. So I love that quote coming from Hitman Bang because it is, I think, one of the key reasons to why BTS has become so successful is that the lyrics and the message within their songs are so relatable and people are able to connect and find meaning within it. So it's not just love songs or pop music. There's depth to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what like, I mean, you can listen to a a pop song, you know, or just a song of a genre that you like and Mm -hmm. just like it because of how it sounds. But what is lasting with you and what makes you want to continue listening to that artist is, is there substance, you know, is there something, do you want to listen to the whole album or do you just want to listen to the single? And with BTS, with this approach, you want to listen to the whole album. Which is why, yeah, which is why it particularly hurts when outside people who don't really listen to BTS music say things like, it's just meaningless pop music and that's just not the case for them. That's why it it hurts because it's like, but no, it's not. So in regards to BTS breaking into the States versus other groups, Bang Shiyuk elaborates by saying, quote, it was their message that resonated with a certain demand and through digital media, it spread quickly. And BTS touched something that wasn't being addressed in the U.S. at the time. So American youth reacted, and that was proven through numbers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Completely. Very very true. Um, Also, John Jeongjo, he's the executive director of the Korean Culture Center of New York. He says that, quote, their songs are not about love or broken hearts. They are about identity confidence and loving oneself it is a socially critical message this is why we call their music the music of this generation i love that quote (laughs) the music of this generation Mm -hmm. um so you guys all know since you're listening a lot of bts's songs are uh super meaningful and have a lot of great messages to them just some examples of songs like that i mean you look at their debut song no more dream Bep Say is a big one. Dope. 
persona, fake love, even idol. And of course, another great example is answer love myself. But truly, Mm -hmm. nearly every BTS song that exists has some sort of underlying meaning to it. Yeah. Um, Even like Wallen 52. Like, I mean, songs. I mean, there's so, so many of their Mm -hmm. songs that totally they they convey more of a message and deeper meaning um, Mm -hmm. and make us think about those topics of identity and confidence. Mm-hmm. So another thing that contributes to them making songs like this is BTS's own involvement in the writing and production of their music. They are given so much creative freedom, um, which makes their company different from the big three, meaning JYP, SM, and YG, which barely give their artists participation in the writing process. Um, Bang Jiuk says... Quote, when they solidified as an idol group, I promised them they would be able to pursue the music they wanted, including hip hop. Because it was hip hop, they could express their thoughts and we wouldn't touch that. If in turn the company felt they weren't being genuine, then we would comment. I kept that promise and I believe that had an impact. I personally feel it's not on always. I personally feel it's not always necessary for an artist to speak their mind. But I believe at the time, BTS touched something that young people from all over the world were seeking. So I really enjoy this quote because I I think that it is this really um, important agreement that they had where they could express their own thoughts and they wouldn't touch it. And the only time that they would, you know, provide feedback on that topic were if they felt they weren't being genuine and something that we always regard BTS as is being so genuine. And the that's what makes the lyrics so relatable. That's what makes the message and them as people mm-hmm. so relatable is that they're their thinking about yeah. they're authentic and they're thinking about mm-hmm. and worrying ab- about and dealing with the same things that like we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of armies are familiar with this, that that big hit is different in the aspects where BTS are very involved in the writing process. And it's not just so much like the message that they're delivering. It's also very admirable that they participate in the writing process. I think yeah. a lot of artists get hate for not producing or writing their own music. And so I'm proud to say BTS writes their own music. BTS's music means something to them. It's mm-hmm. not just pop music that was made by some other person in which they sing. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. It's meaningful to each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um Another component to their success, which this is something that we both kind of added that we didn't see in other places so much, but something that we believe really contributes to the appeal, at least, of Mm -hmm. BTS, which is that they're an underdog story. And who doesn't love an underdog story? (laughs) Um, But going into that, we're just wanting to talk about Big Hit as a company and Bang Shiyuk's vision and which he had when he created Big Hit. Mm-hmm. So a large contribution to BTS's ability to write and produce their own music and to openly express their feelings and opinions is because they didn't originate from one of the big three like we had mentioned previously. 
The difference in management with Big Hit and Bang Shiyuk compared to other music companies provided BTS with many advantages over other groups. However, coming from a smaller company, there were many disadvantages. So Hitman Bang took various combined approaches of both the Korean and Western music industries. So we're going to get a little in-depth on this. There's the Western view, which is this this underground system. So if you think about musicians here in the States, at least, a lot of them work underground and they basically try to just make themselves noticed by a lot of hard work that they have to do on their own before being able to sign with a large company. They have to like prove themselves. Right. A lot of artists will like travel and just perform Mm -hmm. like, you know, like little gigs at bars or like, you know, free concerts and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like the trainee life, which is this uh, Korean approach specifically that they've used with K-pop where they'll go to school or they'll just uh, audition or be a part of this trainee dorm where they will learn the skills of singing, dancing, rapping, whatever. Um, And basically from there with the company, they have to prove themselves to be able to be put into a group. Mm -hmm. So... This is a really interesting kind of thing to look at that Bang Shiyuk did. He kind of combined the two and he said, quote, I do think when a trainee spends too much time focusing on skills and not life experiences, it becomes a concern as to whether they become a musician with a complex understanding of the world, which... Don't you just mm. think Namjoon right there? Like <laughs> Namjoon was the first yeah. the first member of BTS and the first one that him and Bang was like, you, I want you, right? I just really think like that it's important for musicians to really write, to be able to write meaningful, relatable things. You do have to have a really complex understanding. Mm-hmm. At least you have to have a very solidified personal worldview so that you can at least write from your truth and uh so it does seem like bts has you know gained Mm -hmm. both of those things yeah and in this interview this a lot of these quotes that we have of bang shiyuk is from a time article written by raisa bruins so you guys should definitely go check that out but he ends up making this kind of analogy that gave me a little bit perspective on trainee life. He related trainee life to um, like a ballerina who's training. And he says that you know a ballerina is a part of this training, this grueling years of training, trying to just perfect the, the art of ballet. But just because they're within this confined space of just this isolated space where they're just practicing ballet for hours upon hours, it doesn't decrease the the passion for ballet. They're typically still very passionate. They're still very skillful. But I like that he wants to bring in that underground system or that Western influence of wanting his um, trainees or whatever to have these life experiences to bring a more complex understanding to the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, this kind of leads into the idea that Bang Bang Shiyuk saw the importance of focusing on social skills and understanding responsibility as a part of their training. So, um, Big Hit 
provided mentorship. Um, they had a more educational institution as part of the trainee life. Um, there was also the idea of a performance-based model versus an album-focused production. And BTS, just like doing um, kind of the underground system mixed with trainee life, mm-hmm. they also you know, participated in both of these concepts. So a performance-based model came about because physical sales, physical album sales were down during the forming of BTS Mm -hmm. and digital sales were not making up the difference. So because of this, at this time, many groups relied on concerts to bring in lost revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, Since concerts and performings Uh, since performing at concerts was such a big part of bringing in the money, uh, the focus was not on drilling skills, but rather on making an an exceptional performance experience for the fans and BTS being well-rounded live performers and entertainers. Uh, When they perform, they know just what to say and how to personally connect with the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like they've been doing it forever, but at the same time, it still seems so genuine. Um, They're doing all of this while executing complex choreography, melodies, and rap lines during songs. So this performance-based model... Um, And these performances that have come from BTS training in this way is what gets fans hooked on BTS. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear these different models uh, because it's something that's very foreign to me that I know nothing about, but is so intriguing because it's really a big component to BTS's success and what goes like the behind the scenes, the kind of, um, I don't know, just like the the knowledge that like the strategy yeah the strategy to be able to do something like this very interesting mhm um they also participated in album focused production um so while working on the performance aspect has indeed been important to BTS's success in the industry it's important to clarify that the production and quality of their albums are as important to Bang Shiok and the members of BTS as their performance is uh we've already kind of touched on this topic about how important their uh their messages and how important their lyrics can be um so really it's the music and the lyrics that keeps ARMY coming back to them, come back after comeback. I definitely agree with that. And I'm pretty sure he ended up saying that uh, this is the the model that he's more familiar with, this album-based production, that he really wants to focus and feel that in order to be successful, the music needs to be good. The yes. music itself needs to be successful. Um, but BTS just happens to have not only great music, but they also have that fallback where that that performance-based model is used, mm-hmm. where sales aren't as good or the music isn't as good, where you can almost uh, generate revenue through performance itself. But they've got both of these things going for them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. And uh, they they really do create amazing music mm-hmm. and he, bang bang pd said like that's really the core you know no matter core. what mm-hmm. else they do that's the core of of what they're doing is making great music mm-hmm. so kind of going back to this wide topic that we're talking about just looking at bts as an underdog story is just another appeal to the group so 
this mix of of men, they're not all from Seoul. They weren't all born into extremely wealthy, fortunate families. We've gotten to learn that both Sok Jin and Young have mentioned they almost become they almost became farmers, uh, if not rising to success with BTS. Yugi has openly spoken about having the struggles of needing to decide between eating a meal or missing a meal in order to afford a bus ticket home. Namjoon and Hosok were both found in underground scenes. Uh, so all the members were found under unconventional means, which makes them just the best underdog story. We know that Big Hit was not a very big company, and so coming from that, they didn't have the ability to market themselves as widely because they weren't one of the big three. And so it's just the type of story we all love to hear. It's what's made in movies. It's what's brought in theater. The unexpected heroes, the ordinary folk who somehow made a difference that's crossed oceans, right? This is a huge appeal to BTS. While coming from a company that allows BTS more creative freedom and involvement and production, it's all very great great advantages for them. But again, the disadvantages, there were many, but one of the big ones was that it's a small company and so they weren't able to market themselves as as well and they didn't have as much money as the big companies to invest in things to spread word of BTS. Um, and I think... And I'm just kind of, this is just me thinking, <laughs> I think Bang PD anticipated that, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a small company and a strategy used to overcome this, this massive disadvantage is by means of social media, which really leads us into one of the big components to BTS's success. Yeah. Um, but I also want to add that really some like other disadvantages that go along with that would be like, yes, because they just were from a small company, that money factor is such a big factor more than not being able to market themselves, just like not having resources, not having a mm-hmm. large enough practice space, not having like, you know, like for production value, production value of videos, mm-hmm. uh, the clothes that they were able to wear, um, just like mm-hmm. the, the, I mean, the, their first album was recorded in a garage, and if that's mm-hmm. not an underdog with, you know, no yeah. reason for them to mm-hmm. be on top, you know? Yeah. Ultimate underdog story. Um, yeah. And I mean, going from that to being what is considered the biggest boy band in the world right now. Yeah. That's that's a success story that we all love to hear. Yeah, we love those. It gives us all hope. Yes. Um, and it gives us something to believe in. And the, I mean, it did really get fueled and was able to grow because of the impact of social media. Um, so in the beginning stages of BTS, coming from this small company, they really lacked all of the industry connections uh, and the big money of the industry giants. And then they therefore relied heavily on social media to promote the group. Uh Suk Young Kim, a critical studies professor from UCLA, said, quote, previous generations of K-pop idols depended on B- depended on TV as a platform, whereas BTS used social media to make themselves available and visible. Mm-hmm. So 
Social media has played a large role in BTS's success in the States specifically, but popularity on social media is what gained the attentions of other forms of media along with fan-based voting and award shows. So because of the immense amount of trending and voting that was happening like on Twitter and Instagram and such, the spread of BTS through social media is what really gained the attention of other forms of media. They're like, who is this BTS or what are these people talking about? So gaining the attention of in specific American media led to a lot of interviews aired on American television shows such as The Ellen Show, James Gordon, Jimmy Kimmel, and even gaining performance stages on Saturday Night Live and the American Music Awards and Billboard. So social media has led to BTS also winning awards in America Specifically, looking back on winning the first their first time winning Top Social Artist in 2017 at the Billboard Music Awards. This was just a shocker, and this is when I think this is when they truly sparked in the states. Yeah. They were beating out such strong competitors such as Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, and Ariana Grande that when they went up there, they got to bring and give their acceptance speech. And this is when they started to gain the, the, um, popularity and notoriety. The popularity. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of such a wide, uh, group of people that they were able to, to present themselves to at these kinds mm-hmm. of award shows. So Bang Shiyuk said, quote, What I can say is that BTS's success in the U.S. market was achieved by a formula different from the American mainstream formula. Loyalty built through direct contact with fans had a lot to do with that. And so we're going to just get more into that direct content with fans, that direct contact with fans um, by means of social media. Yeah, 100%, because it is such an important component of how we can feel connected to them. Because of BTS's large presence on social media, BTS has presented themselves as approachable and real. Through a variety of forms of content, such as casual posts, live stream video diaries, vlogs, and other reality TV-like web shows, such as Run BTS and Bon Voyage, we're able to see the artists as themselves, and we feel that we understand who they are, despite being mega superstars. There really are no Western artists doing what BTS is doing in this regard. Mm-hmm. It's something that definitely attracted me personally as a fan, feeling as if I could know them or be so connected to them as um, as they did something as intimate as an hour-long live stream album review. Um, I just can't imagine, like you know, an artist that I'm a fan of here in the States sitting down and just doing a live stream album review and answering questions and, you know, just, and doing it so thoughtfully, Mm -hmm. like the way that they, you know, when they do something like that, it's just, it's incredible. It's truly, um, yeah, special. It's very special. It's very, very special definitely different from a lot of artists uh it's just something I also wasn't really expecting 
becoming a fan that there was so much content out there about them and that's what was so wonderful about being new to the fandom was discovering all this content because there is so much out there that's not just their music it's them talking to us and being with us and it feels like they're hanging out with us yeah and yeah you build a relationship that is unique um compared to other to other artists um, so just to kind of keep going off of this, John Jiang Zhou, who's the executive executive director of the Korean Cultural Center of New York, uh, he describes the success of BTS different from others because BTS have delivered their daily lives to fans every day. They show that their lives are not much different from our lives. They are the same as us. They are real. Otherwise, they would never have been able to gain this level of popularity. When he said that, I was like, wow, he fully is certain that this is a key to their success is that they could not have possibly gained this level of popularity without being able to to have such direct contact with the fans. Yeah, because it allows us to see their authenticity. It it enables us to see that they are genuine and like just to have more of an unfiltered look into, you know, these people is truly powerful and it's not something that we would have gotten without social media. Yeah. It makes them accessible. They're so accessible that it's just we can make a true connection with these idols and it feels so real and true it's like a friendship and that sounds kind of probably silly to other people who aren't a part of the bts fandom but it's just how we feel and truly we based on what we see bts say and how they present themselves it appears they feel the same way towards their fans, that there's a relationship here unlike any other. BTS, we hear Jimin all the time saying how much he misses ARMY, Mm -hmm. and maybe they've been, you know, part of that training has had them say these kinds of things, we miss you guys or whatever, but they genuinely, with how much they share of their personal lives, they seem to actually miss us when they're not with us. This is why I think Jimin loves concerts so much because, and a lot of BTS members is because they actually get to be with us and spend Mm -hmm. time with us. And as we stand there in the crowd crying over the fact that they're singing their last song and they're waving goodbye. Uh, you see BTS members also shedding tears as they're waving goodbye yes. because it is a very special relationship and maybe it sounds crazy, but uh, I think it's a big part of, of why they're so popular. It's really the feeling of we just met you when we're, yeah. when we're at a concert and mm-hmm. to, for, for, for all of the fans to be so emotionally moved, crying, you know, and BTS doing the same exact thing, they're mm-hmm. being affected in the same way that we're being affected. Um, it's a, it's, it's this connection that you would, you would say is it's impossible to to have really, but um, mm-hmm. and it does seem like we're like over exaggerating but yeah. we felt it when we were at the con like when we were at fort worth like yeah. that feeling was crazy and um it and it really- was so unexpected i did not yeah. anticipate that i did not no. it just it was this massive wave that hit both of us at the same time that i'm sure lots of armies also felt it it was just i just met you and now you're leaving and mm. it was 
a feeling that I've never had in my entire life and a feeling that I could not really express to another person because it was truly understand it. It was like, okay, now we're together. We were meant to be together. And it's just like BTS has that, uh, that connection and that relationship with Mm -hmm. any fan who wants it because of how much content they have and because of the spread of social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another contribution that social media has is that it allows fans to actively participate in the success of BTS through things such as voting and trending hashtags. Fans are able to contribute in bringing awareness and acknowledgement to BTS. Therefore, BTS's success feels like a personal and group effort. Um, there's this kind of idea of an in-group feeling but also being part of an army as in we have this group together and this like common goal that we're working towards Mm -hmm. um really in that regards bts's success feels like army's success because we're all working towards the same goal that goal is not necessarily for bts to be the most popular influential best group on the planet although i mean they are (laughs) however um our true goal is to spread a message of loving ourselves while working through the challenges thrust upon us by this society Mm -hmm. and that's where we all find group relationship in um and that's what we what we have in common and through this this army through this fandom we're able to make friends we feel accepted we have common interests we have a lot to talk about uh that's another big appeal to bts as is the fandom itself So another contributor to BTS's massive success um, is stuff that's beyond the music. And when we say that, there's a lot that's into it. But really, this hidden hidden storyline that Big Hit has built within the BTS music, along with BTS's message, it's all kind of gone hand in hand. So these are things like theories, uh, the storylines, especially from HYYH, hidden messages and symbolisms within music videos and live performances, uh, references to outside literature. It spikes a lot of interest in fans to educate themselves. So we're looking beyond the content of BTS uh, to gain a better understanding of what they're delivering in their lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can even go as, as far to say the aesthetics, like the just everything that's beyond yeah. the music, everything that's presented to us that we further want to look into or whatever, uh, especially that hidden storyline. I think that is something people are particularly intrigued by. That's different from mm-hmm. other artists and other music that's put out there. Yeah. I think the hidden storyline as well as outside literature, because you and I have mm-hmm. many times fallen into a rabbit hole about outside literature that has influenced an entire album of theirs, mm-hmm. um, like Demian, like Map of the Soul, and really falling into that to gain a fuller understanding and perspective on the album. Yeah, it sparks interest. Um, and when you go out and look into those other, those other books and other references, it makes you even more interested in the music and what's to come. Yeah, and it also just educates you more as a as a, a human yeah. in society in general, which is just awesome. It is cool. Um, 
And to us, it really doesn't matter at what point in your discovery of BTS that you fall into the theories. Um, What does matter is that when you do fall into these theories, it makes you realize that BTS are creating art in all forms and are levels above any other artist creatively. The complexity in the storylines that go on for years is enough to enthrall and astonish any curious fan. Truly, there has not been and there currently isn't anyone doing what they're doing with the storylines, the theories, symbolisms, relations to literature, um, and aesthetics, both visual, um, no, not in aesthetics, but, and other things, both visually and lyrically, um, we just completely fall into all of these things that are beyond the music that it continues to intrigue us. There's so many different facets that, you know, each person can kind of get interested in. Like maybe you really want to look at the lyrics or maybe you love the storyline or maybe you just love how fucking hot they are. And that's (laughs) why you just keep coming back. But either way, Um, all of these things are contributing to their success. And this just makes me, this just reminded me and brought me back to the idea of soft power where they use attraction and persuasion to change minds and influence behavior. Going back to that definition, I think that's really brought into, uh, not just BTS's music, but this like beyond the music, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're bringing other things that are intriguing and that that draw us in, that make us interested to know more and invest more of our yeah. time in. Completely. Um, so we have some other interesting components to BC, to BTS's success. And the first one that I want to talk about is uh, strategical album release and strategic collaborations. I mm-hmm. have thought this for a long time. I think that there's a lot of strategy that goes into the when of BTS's albums and collaborations. Sometimes it's based on a deadline. For example, tour starts at this date, so these two planned albums need to be out before then, so that way they can tour with those songs in the set list and bring everybody really fresh, a brand new music for this tour. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, this can be based on the comeback date of other groups. Within the industry, there's definitely communication so that each group can kind of have their moment when they come back. Uh, nobody is ever dropping an album at the same exact time. Yeah. And then lastly, and probably to me, the most contributing to BTS's success is planning comeback around a time when there will already be buzz around BTS for whatever reason. So it's not just teasers that they're posting that are helping them gain notoriety before comeback. They will also collaborate with Western artists at specific times to reach previously untapped artists. So, for example, BTS came back right before Billboard in 2018 with Love Yourself Tear. They were already being talked about in Western media because of their upcoming appearance at Billboard, coinciding with radio and TV interviews in the States before the awards show, which also contributed to the buzz. When they performed Fake Love, there's a good chance that many people watching had already heard of them, but hadn't learned enough to develop any preconceived notions about the group. They gained many fans that night because of their incredible performance, and Love Yourself Tear was their big comeback at the time mm-hmm. and I love that you bring this up because I remember when this happened 
I kept thinking there isn't a K-pop group in the history of K-pop, at least at the time and to date still, that had their first live performance of their hit track performed live on American television. And that's Mm -hmm. what I think was so anticipated about Fake Love is we hadn't seen the full live performance yet. We had seen the music video, we had seen the teasers, we had heard the album, but the actual first live performance was performed on American television at the Billboard Music Awards, which was that key component when we go back to 2017 when they won Top Social Artists for the first time. So there's just... Yeah, a lot of hype. I thought how beautifully timed that was. They had to have put thought into it. There had to have been strategy behind it. Of course. There I I I mean clearly that's what I'm presenting to to you. I yeah. really think that there that I'm there is I'm just bringing it full circle. Yeah, completely. <laughs> um I mean you could also say that BTS's collaboration with Nicki Minaj uh was partly uh, sparked by the idea of reaching a different audience. Yeah. Uh, Nicki Minaj has been in the rap industry for such a long time. She's a really well-established female rapper. She's broken a lot of records and has a lot of distinctions in her own right. Mm-hmm. And I I just can, you know, her fan base is completely different than BTS's fan base. So BTS collaborating with her and having her on one of their, their, you know, a remix of a hit track really can make them accessible to her fans also. Yeah. Which is uh, just another example of them kind of using that collab as a way to uh, increase their their popularity. Mm-hmm. Something else that is very, very recent is uh, recently Halsey teased and then released Suga's inter- interlude on her new album. And she was doing this and right afterwards, BTS spoke in interviews about releasing an album soon. So... Also, at the same time, they attended the Jingle Ball event show and Variety's private awards show, the 2019 Hitmakers. Mm-hmm. All three of these things are putting eyes on them from different kinds of consumers throughout the music industry, creating the perfect conditions for a popular and impactful album release. Wow, I had not really thought about that. But yes, I agree. And this is the first time, especially at the Variety uh, Hitmakers Award show, whatever it was, uh, totally was blindsided by that. I didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it was all put on social media and everything... I I was like, this is the first time they've really openly discussed the release of the new album. Uh, it's yeah. been rumored, it's been hinted at, but this is the first time that Namjoon, when they asked what's next for BTS, he said new music mm-hmm. and to be anticipating an album. And mm-hmm. I did not think about how all of these things happened and the Jingle Ball and the variety and hitmakers and Halsey releasing mm-hmm. this new album. All three of these things really building up and presenting BTS into media again with a lot of hype. And so now we can be expecting and anticipating and even more excited for a new album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm just going to say just watch the next, you know, like month or so until, you know, and just wait until comeback and just purposefully watch for like media that's talking about BTS or how they're being brought up by various people because 
I, you know, I think it can be very strategical how this is, how this is happening. Um, especially leading into January when we, you know, the best rumors are saying that that's when they're going to come back. They're going to come back. The idea of them building up this kind of social media buzz and chatter about them through various aspects, uh, and then coming back right before the Grammys and then the potential of them performing at the Grammys. Um, yeah this is just like i i can just see all of this like fitting together that's still not behind us even though they're not nominated it's still not uh said that they're not going to be there right so mm -hmm, definitely so another interesting component that maybe has been not so much for their success or has contributed to their success, but might be contributing to the continuation of their success is BTS as a brand and the spread of culture into other markets rather than through just music, like through Mm -hmm. the music industry. So Brian Mariotti, he's the CEO of Funko, and I found this quote to be so incredibly interesting hearing it come from the CEO of Funko. In regards to BTS, this is what he said, quote, all the social media engagement we've had with any product this year, BTS is number one, which goes back to social media. Uh, He says, that's ahead of Game of Thrones, ahead of Avengers Endgame, which are very well known. Huge fandoms. Yeah. He goes on to say that's a surprise to us and it's a huge win and we got a little bit of understanding on how powerful the BTS brand could be for the New York Toy Fair, which I don't know what that is, but whatever. (laughs) He's saying that he's under he's acknowledging this BTS brand. He said, we saw that our number one Instagram tweeted Facebook item for the show was the BTS Funko Pops. Uh, We're seeing diversity across who and what the K-pop fans are. And that's one of the reasons the products are resonating in different retailers. You can't get any more diverse than Barnes & Noble to Hot Topic to Amazon. Three very diverse retailers and all three are doing exceedingly well with the BTS brand. Uh, I think this goes to show how diverse the BTS army can be that, you know, it's not just these tweens, teens going to hot topic to buy these Funko pops. There's people at Barnes and Noble who are purchasing them. There's there are adults people who with are Amazon, Amazon prime, you know, like yeah. there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's older, older people out for a nice afternoon at the, at the mall going to Barnes and Noble, picking up some Funko pops. Yeah. But you go into this, this BTS as a brand, we've got people who are potentially investing in these things or knowing about these things because of the hype of this BTS brand. Uh, we go into the, the American toy maker Mattel. They announced that signing uh, a licensing agreement with BTS to produce these dolls of the band members upon the company's share value, they shot up about 7.7% once they gained this BTS brand. Wow. And then according to Hyundai Research Institute, the band is estimated to bring more than $3.6 billion into the Korean economy annually the south korean economy annually so obviously hyundai's like getting a good idea of how big the bts brand is mattel and the funko right this really incredibly popular succeedingly successful 
company in in today's market. It's just interesting to look yeah, at. It definitely is interesting. And just thinking about if a brand partners with BTS, uh, they sell out. BTS doesn't even have to mm-hmm. partner with somebody. They just have to wear an item and they sell out, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so they definitely are impactful in that aspect. Um, they've done so many partnerships with various brands reaching countries in all parts of the world. Um, if you want to talk, if you want to dive further into that, we have previously talked about that in our BTS brand ambassadors episode. Something that is also appealing to people, um, is this idea, this concept of the new kind of male, um, this is kind of a phrase that's been kind of thrown around. It's the idea of having a more feminine um, kind of man, different from the more threatening appearance of the Western male. Uh, it's, quote, a safe space for desirable projections. Uh, this idea of having a stronger femininity in males is operating in a culture with different standards of beauty and handsomeness so wearing makeup dyeing and styling hair is culturally normal for men and women in korea um but for me like also as a woman i would love if men wore a little makeup like just here in the states commonly like i think i think everybody can benefit from some moisturizer an even skin tone and like some good brows you know like make your why not make yourself look as good as possible um like you know many women like we put on something before we leave the house just to like feel better or whatever um Mm -hmm. and so it's just more confident yeah yeah it's the draw of um like bts looking so good uh is 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 important at the same time Mm -hmm. so there's a also a difference in cultural expectations of typical male behavior which contributes to the idea that they are somehow more feminine which by the way like i should just say right now like we're using the terms like masculine and feminine because those are just traditional terms that are easier to explain. But, um, you know, there's not necessarily like one trait that has to be feminine or has to be masculine. We're just kind Mm -hmm. of talking about them through the scope of how they're traditionally, um, thought of seen. Um, so, in the U.S., any prolonged physical contact, such as hand-holding, walking with your arms around another person's shoulders, lounging on the ground next to each other, you know, laying down, any kind of like, ex- well, what is, quote, like, excessive touching, is seen as an act of physical attraction. It's often assumed that there's something going on. It's rare to see platonic male friends sharing physical touch in such a platonic way. Um... And I do think that U.S. women do this much more easily and openly with their friends. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not afraid to, like, hug each other or, like, be close or whatever. It's not a big deal. Uh, But there is, like, a lot of masculinity, quote, like, things that are kind of... uh, It's common just in in U.S. men and Western men. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
like these masculine expectations or what's okay to do and what's not okay. Um, but in Korea, physical touch is not seen that way. Uh, for example, we've seen members of BTS snuggling numerous times, but to them it's not interpreted as physical attraction. Rather, it's just the comforting touch of a friend, and the closeness doesn't bother either either party. It's welcomed. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's intimate, but it's not romantic. It's not romantic. Yeah. And I do think that this is a big appeal to BTS is, um, just seeing their, their dynamics with each other, seeing how close they are, looking at their friendships. And, but again, it's, it's this welcoming environment mm-hmm. that, that also is, is appealing to us is that we feel this closeness and, and love and, and whatnot. But very, very different from Western society's views on these types of things. Uh, If a man hugs another man, it's like, and just this is something that people say is like, what are you gay or whatever? Mm. Uh, Like Corey, he like is a vegetarian and drives a smart car that is very fuel efficient and very small. And he gets shit all the mm-hmm. time from coworkers and friends like, oh, what are you gay? Because he drives a environmentally friendly car and is a vegetarian, doesn't eat a whole bunch of meat. That says a lot. It's not yeah. like he's imagine if he was having prolonged touches or like whatever with his yeah. friends. People yeah. would be super and then it's just it's toxic. It's toxic masculinity. Toxic fucking <laughs> masculinity. And here's what it is. As women, we hate toxic masculinity. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, like we love men but the concepts and the the rules of toxic masculinity and the ideas and the thought process that go behind go along with it just are not attractive to us and Mm -hmm. they're not beneficial to society as a whole and i think that's what makes bts and korean society attractive is that that kind of idea the main issues with toxic masculinity that Mm -hmm. we have is kind of taken out of the equation and we just get to see these amazing great looking men you know being acting like well-adjusted normal emotions Mm -hmm. with each other it's just nice it's refreshing for sure yeah um definitely an interesting component to why bts has become popular um some other things that we're going to look at is uh just the korean work ethic it's very different also from from western society uh there's this just kind of cultural component to the korean work ethic that they continue to work exceedingly hard despite already reaching and obtaining an immense amount of fandom Mm -hmm. uh where in the states where a lot of people once they get to fandom they become almost overconfident cocky entitled etc they continue to constantly perfect their performances improving and working really hard to continue to to have and stay within this this large 
spotlight. Mm-hmm. That's that's another really great thing about BTS is like they've come so far, but they still want to work really hard to stay where they're at. They're, it's not taken for granted at all. Yeah, um, it's not just accepted that okay, this is how it's going to be from now on. I can lay back and be lazy or do whatever I want. Yeah. it's like I'm going to still work hard to be here, which is very very great. It's um very attractive. It's, uh, it's uh, also. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's like it's the idea that like nobody owes you anything you know they know mm. they know that they aren't owed this by the world and so they have to work hard and continue to work hard um yeah. and they just are Definitely. so humble throughout it all mm-hmm. it's a great appeal of them mm-hmm. so lastly we're going to talk about individualistic versus collectivistic society uh, the United States is very much an indiv- an individualistic society in which people are kind of out for themselves and their families, whatever they can do to improve the lives for the people, you know, the people that they're close to. And that's really as as wide of our a span that many people get. That's not to say that people don't care about others, um, mm-hmm. but it's really more so I have to get what's mine and I got to work for that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of goes and makes it so that we have a human need for belonging and friendship. We want to find more people to be connected with and to fit in with and to find um, more of a community with. Um so this idea of a collectivistic society, which is very much a, like a Korean society and also the the community that we're provided with as army um, mm-hmm. is it allows us to belong to a group, belong to some um, ideas and some values and, you know, have like a common message. And it also leads to just feelings of acceptance, which we've already kind of talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do love seeing this group dynamic versus an individual artist. I think that's a big appeal for me to BTS is just seeing it as a group and seeing mm-hmm. the efforts put together for their success and having each other versus just an individual artist. You get to just yeah. make a closer connection to them. Okay. So that's really all of the components that we've collected from our various sources of why BTS has become so popular and successful all across the globe. Just to wrap it up here, we're interested in knowing what you all think is the key component or the biggest component to BTS's BTS's success. Um, So Kayla, I'd like to ask you, what do you feel personally has been the biggest component to their success out of all the ones that we mentioned wow obviously it's a combination of all of these yeah it's just a large amount of things that have led to where they are today Mm -hmm. but is there one thing that seemed to be uh vital to their success This is a very difficult question because you could argue it so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to keep my answer simple and I'm going to say that the biggest factor contributing to their rise and their success is their music. 
Yeah. Because without their music, they would not have anything. Their music mm-hmm. is where we get all of our feelings and where we where they tell us what they what they want to tell us. Their music is their main way of communicating their mm-hmm. their art to us and what they have to say and what they have to contribute to the world. Um, and it, I mean, I feel like it's truly something special, even without everything else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the music. I think, think the music, music yeah. Um, yeah, the lyrics, the message, the actual production in itself, it's all what, that's the biggest appeal to me is, yeah. is the music. And I think it's yeah. probably what a lot of armies think, but I will say, I think social media is a close, is a close contester there as in terms of being so popular worldwide, there's so many mm-hmm. people in on this planet who make and write and produce very good music, but don't end up having this immense amount of success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say, I think social media is huge too, but also kind of their, um, their performance based model Mm -hmm. and the way that they trained the various aspects and the various styles that were brought in with their training. Um, just they, with their music, they make incredible performances. Very true. Um, Mm-hmm. that we just will always enjoy mm-hmm. well, so guys yeah. make sure yeah tell us what you think is the biggest component to bts's success is it something that we've talked about is it something that we left out let us know uh you can reach out to us via email or on any of our social media facebook instagram twitter um and of course you can find links for all of those things in the description Thanks for listening and thanks for standing BTS.